You're listening to IBGR, our call sign for the Internet Business Growth Radio Network. The broadcast frequency is our URL, and that's IBGR.network. We provide live and record shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on what an entrepreneur or small business consultant needs to grow their operation from zero to big. How big? Up to you. IBGR focuses on the 180 million English-speaking small business owners around the world in four major markets, North America, Australia, Oceania, the Indian subcontinent, and United Kingdom, Europe, and Africa. All of these six-hour cycles are delivered in six major themes, strategy, operations, sales, people, ownership, and consulting. The first four tracks, strategy, operations, sales, and people, are the day-to-day tactical issues all entrepreneurs face. The fifth track, ownership, takes the conversation to the next level. How can an owner working in the business make the transition to an executive of a multi-million dollar firm by working on it? Our last track, consulting, is for our brothers and sisters with the same mission as IBGR, helping small business owners grow. I bet you didn't know that 57% of everybody on the planet is employed by a small business owner. Let's team up and help business owners increase generational wealth for themselves and their family while creating good jobs in their local community. Our team has over seven decades of helping and building businesses. We have turned those years of existence into radio shows and downloadable tools that any entrepreneur, whether you're an independent contractor, solopreneur, or business owner, can apply immediately. All you have to do is download, listen, apply, and engage. Download the show notes that address current issues in your business. Listen to the show live or as a podcast. Apply the information and tools. Engage us with your experience and feedback. And if you really want to maximize your time spent with IBGR, join our community and have access to our toolbox. This just scratches the surface of what you will receive every day at IBGR. The opportunity to grow with us is only limited by your imagination and persistence. Let's grow together and put the world back to work. Thanks for listening. Executives everywhere, you are listening to IBGR Network, now known as International Business Growth Radio Network, your profit radio. I'm Wendy Dickinson, your host for today's show, Catalytic Conversations. I'm a business coach who works with owner founders at the intersection of life and business. Guys, I want to tell you, you've got to join our IBGR Entrepreneurs Community Network, located in our app on IBGR.network or go directly to ibgr.community. Once on the inside, you'll be able to, in your community of commerce, where you can connect with all the other entrepreneurs and interact with on-air talent, download show notes, find other podcasts. It's a great resource. Join the ibgr.community where you can network with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Come grow with us. And again, that app, the IBGR app for Android and iOS, is ready and available for download. Just search IBGR Business Growth Radio on Android and iOS. You can listen to current programming, on-demand podcasts, read the show notes, stay current on IBGR news, and connect with on-air talent. Take IBGR with you wherever you go. This is episode number 11 in our e-lane at the IBGR network, and it's season three. And today... Our show is entitled Handley Watches, Innovation and Durability. 
with my guest, Jay Carpenter, co-founder of Handley Watches. Welcome, Jay. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Great to be here. So glad you're here. Folks, go to our website at IBGR Network and download the show notes I've written for you. You can also have the opportunity to message Jay on his website. This show gives you, the owner-founder executive, the chance to see how somebody else did it. Innovate with an established market. Jay Carpenter and his co-founder, Alexis Carpenter, had a need which led to an idea that took them to starting Handley Watches. Jay will share his journey, he gives us his why, and he tells us what he didn't know and had to find out. Jay, I'm so glad that you're here today. Last week I talked about innovation, and not only innovation like tech innovation, but innovation within established markets and within an established company. So how did you and Alexis decide to start Handley Watches? Yeah, and again, thank you for having me. I think watches and timepieces are one of the oldest industries out there, so it is a bit of a, uh, hopefully, an innovation within an older, uh, more traditional industry. Um, but as you mentioned, we, we found a need from active lifestyles moving from, I was doing triathlon and going to the gym and then to the office, then to the golf course, and then to nice dinners and client entertainments. And... Um, wanting something that moved from all of those locations and settings in a comfortable, flexible way, uh, but preserve that traditional classic dial and, and timepiece look. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the metal and, and traditional leather that we were used to wearing just did not function well for a pool or, or sweat or, or mowing the grass or washing the dishes. They just don't always function well. Um, and so that was kind of the genesis and then it, kind of the academic side of, of exploring the affinity and then the ability, meaning timing and logistics, which all um, starting a business it must work out from, um, you know, we, we did not have a kid at the time and we, had, we were moving. So we had a, a spare room to store inventory and um, sold a house so we had a couple of nickels to to put towards some of the startup cost and um you know some of the the timing and ability things just worked out yeah um, luckily uh, hopefully we tell that story down the road how, how fortunate we were to for some of those uh, stars to align um and then even moving you know a step farther as as terrible as the covid situation has been you know, had we tried to establish a retail presence or, or set up uh, or invested in some sort of storefront, um, you know, certainly would not have been a, a great situation. More, right. More likely than not. Um, but the e-commerce space is up 40 some odd percent this year. And so um, it, we had to shift. We, we did have a lot of ambitions and plans to uh, be event based and, and be out in front of people because timepieces people want to touch and feel and very tangible. Um, so we did have to shift a little bit of that. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting how, how stars have aligned thus far. Still a long way to go. Well, I think I told you, I might have mentioned to you, and listeners, this is a secret. I actually bought my husband a Handley watch for Christmas this year. And that's how I became interested because my husband is one of those people that carries his phone everywhere. And so even when we're out to dinner or we are trying to have a conversation, he's checking his phone for and ostensibly because of the time. So I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
What I like about Handley watches is it's not connected. Tell me about that. How did you guys decide to go that route? Yeah, very strategically in that um, certainly we all have those friends who are looking at their text messages and emails and heart rates and um, other um, technology that could be attached to the wrist. Mm -hmm. uh, we also, we, we talked about, I, we love those products because they uh, get people into the watch wearing habit and routine. But for us, um, we wanted to preserve, you know, the, there's the, the nerdy side of watches that people can appreciate of the mechanics and, and um, just the classic uh, look of them that yeah. we wanted to, to preserve aside from that, whether it's, it's having a nice dinner with your family or paying attention during a meeting, whatever the case may be, just avoiding, um, avoiding you know, giving your information, not a, um, not a super paranoid comment, but you know, avoiding all your information being everywhere. And so sure. it was, that's just something we've been very intentional about is not going to the smart uh, watch side of the world, but we do love that world because I think it, it is building a fan base uh, that hopefully will, will be exploratory and, and um, start collecting and hopefully we can be part of their collections. I feel like watches in general are a tool. And mm -hmm. so smart watches are one kind of tool but the more traditional watches are another kind of tool. So to me, this fit the bill. What are some of your, your customers saying? Are they happy with the, the product? And how did you guys yeah. get that? Yeah, it's and, and they're very um, subjective in that some people want a smaller dial, some people want a larger, some people like complex and busy six hands, some people want very simple no numbers, just a, a very simple piece. And so um, it is all over the board. Um, and we've tried to adapt as, as anyone in their, their market research. Our market research is generally calling our friends and family and saying, hey, what do you think? It's not as, as uh, far, far reaching and complex and, and elaborate as hopefully it will be one day with hiring firms to do so. But um, we've tried to make uh, products for everyone. Um, whether that's gender neutral or uh, very complex and bold and bulky to very subtle, um, thin and, and um, almost unnoticeable. And, and some people like that side of it. So um, with the bands that we use, you can uh, mix and match and, and change the look of a watch um, pretty easily to be much more kind of robust and, and, and durable looking and, and um, just more outdoorsy looking to mm, being very mm -hmm. sleek and and much more kind of business-esque or business-oriented, if that's a term. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like looking at your styles, and how many styles do you have now? We have 13 now on the website. We have a couple more that we've only done in person to mm. try at some of our pop-ups, try to entice people to come out, yeah. but um, they will be available um, in the next few weeks. Very cool. Yeah. So what are you finding? Well, let me ask you this. What did you and your Alexa, Alexis, Alexis, yeah, your wife, did you guys always dream of starting a watch company? I mean, how, I mean, what was the, the initial conversation kind of like? So we've, we've always wanted to start a company going mm -hmm. back to, uh, professor VCU always said, write down ideas. It's not something that'll just come to you overnight. You need to be proactive in brainstorming these things. And the academic side of it, again, going back to kind of the Venn diagram of 
the affinity towards something, something you could do the rest of your life, the ability I mentioned earlier, whether that's timing or financials, or if I was in a job that I was traveling 80 hours a week, I wouldn't be able to do it. If I lived in Chicago and my rent was X dollars a month, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to do it. So right. some of those interesting kind of um, intangibles there. Um, and then there, there's, you know, there's an economic argument too. There's unit economics, things have to make sense um, or else then it's more of a hobby and a craft. You have to be right. able to, there's margins and some of that uh, more shallow business oriented side of, of any business that um, you, know, you have the, the passion side, but then there also has to be some piece of it that makes business sense, right? Don't forget, this is Profit Radio. This is yes, Profit Radio. Yes, we are radio. about profit. Right, yes. so the logistics yeah. and the storage and the one size fits all and yeah. some of those elements that if I had to order shirts and I had to have six pairs of medium and or, or dress shirts at 15 and a half and 33 or 15 and 34, I, I know that would be out of my realm. Uh, right. That, that becomes a different uh, logistical problem that um, we haven't had to face. So all of that combined, yes, uh, we had ideas and finally found one that, um, again, we, we had the love and the passion thing that we could do for the rest of our lives, you, you know, if it gets to that point, but also... Um, it made sense for us as a family and a growing family and, and a uh, storage warehouse family, and um, and we decided to go for it. That is so cool. And and so how do you guys actually, where are the watches made, and, and how do you put them together and that sort of thing? Yeah, so it's about 50-50. Some of them come over with the dials already complete, um, and then we assemble them with our bands. Some of them come over with just the batteries, and then we put the dials into the cases and assemble them in our our global headquarters in Midlothian, Virginia. So we have a room uh, and, and a half, and it's growing, expanding across our house to my wife's chagrin of our <laughs> assembly line, and, and uh, it's an entire production. Well, folks, believe it or not, it's time for us to take a short two-minute break. and We'll hear more from Jay when we come back. We'll take a look at the problems that many founders aren't aware of until they take the plunge and become an owner-founder. Hey, by the way, now... Uh, now available in the IBGR community, mentoring groups. When you join the IBGR community, you are automatically added to your community of commerce. And the community of commerce is a great place to network and connect with our entire community. You can also join your favorite on-air talents mentoring group. And I'd love for you to join mine, Catalytic Conversations. Joining mentoring groups give you, gives you access to useful tools and mentoring conversations around your specific business challenges. We'll this is William Eastman, managing partner for GrowthWorks Media and station director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks. Is your serum making your business grow? When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. 
the most common cause for that? Salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not? Well, it takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if salespeople don't, the CRM system becomes useless. That's why when we started Salesware, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesware does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company databases, email and web tracking, and offers it to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Head to salesware.com and get your free trial. network. IBGR is our call sign as a radio station, but we are so much more than a radio station. We are a network. I'm your Catalytic Conversations host, Wendy Dickinson of Ascend Coaching Solutions, working with business owners at the intersection of life and business. And my guest today is Jay Carpenter of Handley Watches. This is episode number 11 in season three, and we're talking about innovation in a traditional marketplace. Go to our website at ibgr.network and download the show notes so you can find out how to get in touch with Jay. Jay, when we left off, we were talking a little bit about how you and Alexis had sold a house. It was before your daughter was born. You were had decided that you were going to start the company out of your home. How did you arrive at that decision and why does that make sense and when doesn't it make sense? Yeah, I mentioned the logistical advantages of of the industry where we could ship them to our our home and and had we were fortunate to have some some spare space uh, i think with covid um <laughs> landing as it did we may have looked for some sort of storefront or, or mm. more of a wholesale even relationship than just being direct to consumer yeah the because of where we are and as we try to scale it's it's possible and it's easy to do. It's not easy to do. It is possible to do. And so, um, you know, I don't know if the next step is at some point we'd love to get to a fulfillment center and, and, but I think maybe there's a step between that. It's just a, a storage space or maybe a warehousing yeah. type of a space as we load up on inventory. Yeah. Um, but it's website based, so we can do that from our homes. Mm-hmm. We can do most of the work in terms of the ordering and operations and, and the financing from our house. So, um, and one of those expenses we didn't need to incur was an office or, or a shop, especially this year. And, and you know, that's so interesting because I think I read that only 11% of US companies are fully funded and the vast majority of, of companies, startups are self-funded. So one of the biggest mistakes that people can make is incurring expenses when they really don't need to. And so it sounds like for you guys, you were able to read that writing on the wall. We were. Um, 
you know, cash cash is oxygen. It's a yeah. Gary Gary V statement. Um, but it, it knowing um, you know, some of the issues that were going on at the beginning of the year and just where things were headed just seemed like going out and, and acquiring a, a, a space wasn't going to be the best idea, especially as we kind of used the first few months as a friends and family, almost like a red shirt year to, to mm-hmm. improve our products, packaging, logistics, website content, um, supply chain, everything that goes into it. So, um, you know, when, with the internet, we can do almost anything. So do you guys have, do you and Alexis have like a delineation of duties? I mean, do you have things that you're really good at and she has stuff that she's really good at and how does that shake out? Yeah, she's much more on the marketing aesthetic side, design side. Mm. Um, I more on the um, finance, accounting, um, maybe operational side. Um, and, and then the interesting overlap is that to date, most of our watches are geared towards males, um, and so that's also some, uh, I guess, subjective kind of profiling from my perspective of what I would like to see as a typical target market customer. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of conversations around that, um, especially as, and then I also, I have a little bit more of a a historical um, watch timepiece, just kind of overall um, knowledge of the industry, Mm -hmm. just from being a a fan and and collector, Mm -hmm. where she's much more on the forefront of fashion design, trends, um, and so that's where we kind of uh, come together that's really interesting because when I was looking at the the selection that that you guys had as far as styles were concerned, I mean, so I'm my husband and I are fifty nine, mm-hmm. and so, but I was really struck by the fact that I felt like I could give a watch to my son in law who's in his late twenties and it would fit. And there was another, and I actually had a hard time choosing for my husband because he is somebody who. Um, tends more towards the European cut of clothing mm-hmm. and I think looks really good in that mm-hmm. and and yet he's a bigger person so it was so tempting to want to get one of several you yeah. know several of them how did you guys decide on the the styles I mean yeah well that's a good good problem we want people to uh, to struggle to have to pick um, and we do combine you'll see some of our uh, odes to, to other products and in, in um, companies that we've I've helped kind of educate her on on the history of and and the dials, sizes, and shapes. Um, But again, making them at a place where they're all in a size range that isn't going to under or overwhelm. They they can be pretty Mm -hmm. uh, gender neutral, Mm -hmm. um, especially with our our different bands that you can combine. Um, And then back to just overall market research. Some people really enjoy a very complex I'll call it busy, but in a good way, dial with six hands and a chronograph and a date window. And, and some people, um, you know, and, and there's companies that are very specific in their styles to those those ends of the spectrum. Right. Um, and we, you know, kind of try to combine those. Mm, I see. Okay, so the other question that I have is, I mean, it, you mentioned that you're on the finance side of it. Um are there times where you and Alexis, because of your different talents, you, you disagree? And if so, how do you guys navigate that? Yes, yeah, certainly. In, uh, not necessarily disagree. I think that a lot of it's unknown. We, we are not <sighs> e-commerce specialists. Maybe we're, we're growing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We didn't have yeah. e-commerce backgrounds. Um, she is on the forefront again, of, of the trends of 
social media and content and expectations and some of that. Sure. Where I'm much more conservative to where on my personal accounts I don't I've never posted, right? But she that's she knows that world, mm-hmm. um, and so some it's we, we haven't had any any uh, hard disagreements. I think we've we've learned together in terms of um, inventory requirements and and expectations and. You know, maybe we don't need to order 500 of, of one model. Why don't we just kind of sample it before we <laughs> jump all in? Yeah, and, um, yeah. So a lot of it's kind of learning together. But as any any business and or married couple, uh, you know, not a lot. Try not to throw a lot of blame one way or another. Just um, learning from mistakes that you know we didn't know any better. Yeah. Well, I think so often business owners don't know what they don't know and and that those things can come back to hurt them. I do feel like when you have a partner where you work with really closely and you work well together and your skills complement one another, the chances of something you don't know coming back to bite you are less than if you're soloing it. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. We can remind each other of similar situations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because when you're in the moment and you're you're excited about something, whether it's the aesthetics of something or, or the investment of something else, um, it's easy to get caught up. Um, so it's good to have someone to kind of take a step back with and say, eh, let's, let's analyze this a little bit more. I also have to say that I was really amazed at the packaging. I mean, guys, I encourage everybody to get one of these watches, but when you order the watch and it arrives at your home, it arrives as though it's it's something special. It's a gift. And no pun intended there, because of course it is a gift for my husband. But it really was amazing to open the box and then see the care. I mean, it, you know, the price point I think is so reasonable. And, and then to get that high quality packaging, it was like, wow, this is gonna make a statement on Christmas morning. That makes me very happy to hear. Thank good, you very good. much. That uh, when you said that, I, uh, that's a huge part of it. That's a, a thing, a piece of, as I mentioned, products, packaging, logistics, a piece that you might not think of. And it's a piece that is tricky because there is a percentage of folks who will hold on to those boxes and maintain them as a collector's. Yeah. But the larger percentage won't and will dispose of them. Mm-hmm. And so the balance of investment into that first interaction with your brand could also be something that goes in the trash 30 seconds later. Yeah, that's um, true. And I'm not suggesting we have anywhere close to perfecting it, but I'm glad to hear you say that that it, because it is a big piece. And that's another piece of the cost of goods that when you're starting, you don't necessarily think of percentage-wise that goes into it. And right. And you, you, uh, you know move the models to, to the levers to, to make it work because hmm. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I think it is a, a, the first impression and, and what people see and feel and touch first um, is a big piece of it. Yeah, because I feel like when you give a gift, you want it to, and in my case, of course, I want to um, communicate in some small way that I love this person and I want to celebrate him and I really want to offer him something that is some token of my love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. And when it comes in a package like that, I feel like it does. Is that a situation where 
um, kind of priorities can conflict? I mean, like if you've got somebody who's like, okay, aesthetically and marketing wise and, and to be aligned with our brand, we need this. Whereas maybe somebody whose priorities are, we've got to really watch our costs. And we, I talk a lot on this show about cost reduction and fixed costs versus variable costs. That is a variable cost. Absolutely. So how do you, how do you, was that a thing or were you both like, yeah, this is it. We need to do this. Yeah, I think we've, from the beginning, even with the products, it's, I always use SimCity as kind of an old, and you constantly are trying to improve everything at all times with the cash flow available to you. And yeah. so is it easy to order in volume, lower quality? It is, but at some point, then you have to get, you have to improve that quality to align with what you said, the brand and, and mission, vision, values, all of the things that, that go with that. Mm. So, um, and then you look and you have 500 extra boxes of the prior quality and you think, wow, what in the world am I gonna do with 500? I don't know, right? They're still in yeah. a closet somewhere, yeah. but you can't, you <laughs> have to do it. You have to, to move up and, and move on. And so um, those things that you learn as you go. So. Yeah, well, and, and that's another thing. I, I think those things aren't failures, those are learnings. Mm. I love that. Believe it or not, Jay, it's time for us to take another break. Um, when we come back, folks, we're going to continue our conversation with Jay Carpenter of Handley Watches. And our conversation will continue, but you could use this break to take advantage of the welcome gift that's waiting for you in the IBGR community. You know those show notes that I mentioned? Well, every season we put those show notes together in a book and we can offer you when you join the community and you get access to the complete six volume set of business growth strategies, it's our ebook series. But ebooks are only as useful as the understanding of the reader. So take advantage of that, download the book, and we'll be right back. making your business grow? When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. The most common cause for that? Salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not? Well, it takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if salespeople don't, the CRM system becomes useless. That's why when we started Salesforce, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesforce does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company database, email and web tracking, and offers it to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Head to salesforce.com and get your free trial. William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule 
links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. IBGR.network. IBGR is our call sign as a radio station, but we're so much more than a radio station. We are a network. I'm your Catalytic Conversations host, Wendy Dickinson, here with my guest, Jay Carpenter, co-founder of Handley Watches. This is episode number 11 in season three here at IBGR.network. And today we're talking about innovation and durability with Handley Watches co-founder, Jay Carpenter. Guys, go to our website at ibgr.network or ibgr.community and download the show notes. Jay, I need to ask you, how did you guys come up with the name for Handley Watches? Because, of course, your last name is Carpenter. Yeah, it is a good story. Obviously, we're here in Richmond and have even played uh, played towards the Richmond community as, as a prideful community and, and named our pieces after streets we've lived on and... Um, you know, locations that we like and restaurants where when we first started dating we go and so um, a lot of the names you'll recognize if, if you're uh, familiar with kind of the, the Richmond community um, the name actually came from and a lot of people wouldn't know this in Richmond um, I grew up right next to Hanley High School in Winchester and my father was a coach there and a gym teacher there for decades um, my mom was also an educator at the school right next to it and so we had a very small tight-knit um, community and, and spent a lot of time at Hanley High School, um, you know, as a kid um, looked at Hanley, and if there's a story of Hanley, if you know it, it, it is um, an epic looking school, and I say that, try to be objective, but it, it was um, privately funded public high school, and so it looks like a college campus, and, and there are um, great scenes of, of just the front of the school, and, and um it's got a look of, you know, we'd always hear these, oh, it must be the, the rich, you know, public school kids. It looks like a private school, and, and, it, and so it has that kind of um, facade on it, but we're really just a, a working class group like anybody else, and a lot of grit and, and things that, you know, you wouldn't think of um, from our community. And so when I was thinking about um, things that form and shape and, and that it was just too good to be true for, for the name to kind of fit. So um, not to go too deep into that, but that's kind of where it came from. That's so cool because your product is innovative, but it's also very durable. And it sounds like that's exactly what Hanley High School did for its kids. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's a great, it was a great place. Um, again, it, it's got this this beautiful aesthetic 
uh, to it, but um, a hardworking and, and middle class and, and um, you know, our watches, we want to, to look you know, top of the, the line, um, but be able to, to bang and, and um, hit and knock around and be active and not just be a showy piece, something that, that's functional uh, throughout your day. Oh, that's so cool. So, Jay, walk us through, what's it like when a shipment arrives? Then what do you and Alexa do, Alexis do? It's, it's uh, there's some good memes where people are drinking, uh, Kermit the Frog, drinking the coffee, looking outside for the, the DHL. Um, it's phenomenal, <laughs> it, it's I'm like a kid, it, it's great. Um, and it's, I, I overly track and I should not, but I track on my phone and, um, so what comes in, again, it's kind of 50-50. Some of them come in that we need to assemble, um, and some of them come in that we just need to put our bands on, but we put them on the line and go through and, and make sure they're all functional first and foremost. Um, and then comes the, the kind of arduous process of photography and social and things that we didn't necessarily understand how much goes into that before just throwing them onto a website and, and right. being able to um, to be used or, or purchased. Um, and some of them we go through and reinforce the uh, waterproofness. And so there is a little bit more to it um, on the the operation side. But when we when the package comes, that is a that is a, um, a little Christmas morning every time we, we see them. It's fun. That's so cool. So have you had any surprises? I mean, pleasant or unpleasant during this whole process? Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, we've had a lot of surprises. Um, <laughs> a lot, a lot of surprises. I mean, on the on the pleasant side, I think just how supportive, I'll say, the community from friends and family and Richmond small business and and uh, programs like this have been and and um, offering to help or offering just to be consumers or just it, just um, support uh, overarching. Um, I mentioned the. Uh, this, the content side, I think, is something that we had not experienced in the past, and, and mm. what you'll notice, or you may notice, any any groups you may follow in social media, or their advertising is so clean, and it looks um, it looks like they didn't try hard. That's kind of how you know how good it is, and, <laughs> and it's planned out so far in advance, and taking pictures and videos, and and and, and especially of timepieces which are reflective and have glass angles and it's that part of it is really challenging for non-professionals with iPhones and and lighting so uh, some of that legwork if you see that from other companies that have been around and more well established it's not as easy as it looks they're just really good at it It, that takes so much time to uh, gather the pictures or gather the videos edit them make them look very polished Um, that is it's there's a lot more work than you may think okay and i have to say you guys now have a daughter who is four months old four months how in the world do you make all this happen in the midst of being new parents and you you both have day jobs we both have day jobs so there's a lot of naps at four months which is good oh that's Um, true i'd forgotten that there there are a lot of naps there are a lot of uh late nights after putting her down um there are a lot of weekends we've spent the last four weekends at pop-up shops and and trying to to spread the word and those make for long compounding weeks you know right when when you don't uh, when you don't have the the uh 
the rejuvenation of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just like anyone else, as cliche as it sounds this year, everyone's just kind of had to uh, adapt and, and balance and, and figure it out. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the late nights, but you're up anyway, right? With a four-month-old, you're, up, you're awake. So we're kind of in a, a non-sleep world as as it would be. So um, the good thing, again, about... Uh, the the internet and the websites and, and the the products that we have is that we can work around the clock at whatever hour and, and um, produce and, and fold the boxes and print the shipping labels and you know put them together and mm-hmm. so that can be done um, at all times. And how about your sales? Are you pleased about where you are sales wise right yeah. now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, not not having a twenty nineteen to benchmark off because this sure. is our first year, but what. We were, we were very pleased. Uh, we kind of used the first six, seven months, again, as kind of a, a red shirt time to, to get everything up and running. Um, we've got some really neat uh, brand ambassadors and endorsements and then had some, some um, we were fortunate to have some good uh, PR. Um, and then that moved us right into the holiday season. So we've been mm-hmm. pushing hard, both word of mouth and, and on the social side. So we're, we're very pleased um, that the, the holiday season has been great I uh, hope to kind of keep that going into next year and, and we'll have to keep bringing new products out and being innovative with how to do so and and um, you know those are all challenges that are, are short term but to date we're very excited with the growth we've had in such a short time that's awesome how did you get your brand ambassadors tell the listeners a little bit about that because that's probably not something a lot of listeners know much about yeah, so um, our brand ambassador is a, a PGA professional, Harold Varner III, who's out of Charlotte, uh, originally from Gastonia, so he's a mid-Atlantic guy, um, really well-known. He's been on the tour six years, top 100 player, um, known for just his kind of his overall disposition, personality, humility, um, and, and we're able to, to contact him and his team, had some great conversations, a, a guy who is known to go mow his parents' yard after, uh, you know, being in the final round of a PGA championship and, oh, and nice. um, understanding he's very um, philanthropic and, and we did a, um, a custom piece for his foundation and someone who could easily afford a five, six figure uh, timepiece if he wanted them, but loves the idea of something affordable for um, whether it's it's youth or, or just being able to go out and, and bang around on the golf course. And um, so it's been a, a really good partnership, um, and he's been playing well. So hopefully he keeps it up. Um, and that also, you know, obviously as we were catered somewhat to the the um, active uh, golf community, you know, transitioning from that office to the tee box or, or whatever, you know, um, activity you want to pick, um, it just fit really well. So it was a, it's been a good partnership. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So how about Anything that you can think of that you and Alexis did that you realize now you didn't need to do or that you did do and now wish you hadn't done? Yeah, some of our first products we ordered, uh, I joke about it, I'm very open about it. I mean, we ordered 500 pieces of of a couple of the products and, and, you know, again, hopefully we tell the story years from now and and maybe we can find a way to to reinvent those and, and we will, we already have kind of, being able to to use some of the pieces of them but you don't need 500 of anything starting out and and <laughs> to put in your house and it's just you look back thinking why, why did we order 500 of these again you know what what were we you know what were we thinking um and so that's one that i i am 
uh, admit to my uh, to our, our mistakes early on and, and have since adjusted. Um, and that comes with just being more educated in the supply chain and, and using different um, vendors. Um, and then I, I think, you know, as we've gone, we, we haven't been overly surprised with, um, with a lot of things, just being in and around kind of small business, back to the content, that the time consumption there has been something that you know, we had no, we couldn't fathom just to make it look as professional as, as we, we want it to. Um, but other than that, there's no, try not to live in the, um, you know, wish I would have done differently. You know, there's certainly some things we, we probably should have uh, double double checked our, our I's and T's on, but um, yeah, try to try to learn from the mistakes and not regret too much. But well, I think that's so helpful for listeners, guys. It's time for us to take another two minute break. If you're looking for more one to one help to grow your business, check out our business directory of vetted professionals in our all four of our market segments. Go to IBGR Network Home and then the Us tab, and then choose your market segment. Reach out using the contact information or join the IBGR.community. You've been listening to episode 11 in season three, Handley Watches, Innovation and Disruption with my guest, Jay Carpenter. We'll be right back. William Eastman, Managing Partner for BrokeWorks Media and Station Director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule, links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. Nothing's good that uses this is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks.
IBGR is our call sign as a radio station, but we're more than a radio station. We are your profit radio. I'm your Catalytic Conversations host, Wendy Dickinson of Ascend Coaching Solutions, and my guest today is Jay Carpenter, co-founder of Handley Watches. Jay, I'm so glad you were here today. Okay, this is our last chance to really let listeners know what's going on with Handley Watches. And so, Jay, here are the things that... I'm curious about. So many business owners kind of get siloed. They they get really locked down in their own head with their own team. Who do you and Alexis go to when you have questions or something comes up and you don't know what to do? Yeah, great question. Um, I just from being in and around, I guess the business community have, have established a, a what I consider a pretty strong uh, group of mentors. And I that's age indifferent, uh, younger than me, older than me, same age as me. Um, and we really rely heavily, and I think we've we've had to pull this out of our friends and family where our newsletters, uh, and, and we still could mess up our newsletters, no questions, but early on if something was askew or if a, a photo was out of, out of focus or those kind of things that people would traditionally not offer, we went above to say we want we want be nice about it but we want a, we want <laughs> yeah, you we want to know help. we yeah. don't know we don't know and if you're sitting there with your wife or your business partner and you're looking at it through your lens you see it through your lens and, and you might not you might not even notice a huge error a miss you know, those kind of things right we are um i think we're very a lot of humility and we know we are we have messed up we will continue to mess up we want to be as polished and, and perfect as possible. That I don't think that's realistic for any business ever. So um, we rely on the folks, especially early on, of what do you think? It would, you know, is this the price point? Is this too much? Mm-hmm. What, and, and don't don't hold back. So having those people who aren't afraid to, uh, again, constructively, <laughs> without now you get out into the the. Uh, the internet world and the Instagram world, and, and you don't have uh, that that friendly um, friendly fire. Sometimes it's a little more intense, but you know, being able to rely on, on folks who you trust, both personally and professionally, to tell you uh, things that you can correct is is huge. I'm curious, how did you line up your supply chain? A lot of late nights and trial and error, and and some of those. It's interesting. We we joked about bringing in 500 pieces of one product. And we also learned that maybe that, that top level of the boxes, even of 500, 10 of them would be pristine. But then as you got farther and farther down, you realize that you got farther and farther down the priority or prioritization maybe of, of quality too. So oh. I say that because it, it was trial and error. Interesting. And we've had, uh, We've had vendors and manufacturers that now we've narrowed it down to a, to a trusted group. We are very comfortable with the timeline and predictability and quality, um, but it, it's not always the case when you're first getting started. And it, as even if I have a good group of mentors, they might not know OEM or ODM watch manufacturers right in the other part of the world. So yeah. I don't have that mentor network in. You know, they're probably doing their own watch company. But um, so some of those you, you just kind of have to, to trust and then evaluate and, and either shift or, or readjust, I guess. Mm, yeah. So and, and then it sounds like you've built up a relationship with some of those vendors. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And and so are they here in the U.S.? Are there other places? I mean, how do you do that, especially in light of COVID where you really can't travel much? Yeah. And, and going back to, to having a young one and, and it, late nights, uh, our, some of our, our suppliers in China and Southeast Asia, it, it is not a bad thing to be up in the middle of the night communicating uh, electronically because ah, they're, they're up and, and so am I. Yeah. Um, and we have, <laughs> uh, you know, banned vendors here in, in the United States, but, um, yeah, most of ours are overseas. And so, yeah, take advantage of some of those, uh, some of those late hours of, of, uh, of holding the, the bottle and being able to be on uh, WhatsApp and, and, um, email back and forth. So it, Again, timing is just, hopefully we tell the story, it has aligned in some of those things. So do you, what's your, what's your, what do you see the next stage of growth looking like for you guys? Uh, great, great question. We are, again, kind of using this year as a, let's, let's reflect and then now what's next? You yeah. know, it's kind of a, is this going to go or not? And we think we've got some pretty good legs on the, on the go side. It's still very, very far away from, from true, you know from being go-go, but um, so weighing options on funding, weighing options on mm-hmm. um, you know, fulfillment centers and being able to remove some of those day-to-day responsibilities of, of time and effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mentioned even a, um, a storage container or just something to uh, be truly less home base and, right. and so that I'm not up late night folding the boxes. Um, I'll still be up late communicating and, and hopefully making strategic decisions. But mm-hmm. some of those things, if we can um, you know, move on kind of out of our, our um, responsibility would be great. Um, continue to, to, I think, innovate on our products and, and grow up the um, quality you know, quality control standards, but also quality of products from again, the water resistance and, and just the overall um, durability. So we're continuing to improve that. Um, and we'll see now that maybe we get some things that are a little bit more normal. We've explored some wholesale relationships. I, to be determined on that, um, mm-hmm. we, we're exploring some more of the we call philanthropic relationships like we have with with Harold Varner, um, producing custom pieces that will benefit a foundation um, in in different walks of life, uh, both locally and and nationally. So those have been some interesting conversations. Um, And then overall, you know, do we innovate in terms of our product offering? You see a lot of companies that do um, start to incorporate other uh, products, whether it's glasses or, or, or belts, whatever you know mm-hmm. um handbags you know how do we uh continue to add value to customers that we've already acquired and uh, continue to grow revenue and diversify the revenue so um i don't suggest that i have all those answers yet but sure. it's something that hopefully in the uh um, next few weeks and months and i think in perpetuity you, you continue to think about what can we do next what can we do different and how do we grow and um so it's it's fun and, and um, you know, prioritizing investments and, and um, marketing and all that. It, it it keeps you up at night, but in a good way. You mentioned earlier mission, vision, and values, and mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are Handley's mission, vision, and values? Yeah, I, we, from the jump, we've wanted to provide an affordable piece that's made for an active professional that you can wear to any setting. And, and feel comfortable in both on a, uh, as a professional um, or just 
in a swimming pool or banging it around. That, that's kind of where we started. Um, wanted to get away from, as we talked about earlier, the um, smart industry. Repeating, we love the smart industry. It gets customers, again, cost of acquisition is perfect. It gets them into our the slippery slope of, of watch collecting and, and the uh, addictive side of, of once you get comfortable wearing something on your wrist, you will uh, traditionally continue to look at other pieces. And, and so um, that's a beautiful thing. It's just not a place where, where we want to be. Yeah. Um, we want to stay focused on, on the good quality kind of traditional uh, mechanics of the watch um, so that people are proud to wear them and, and they have that feel to them and the packaging and, and Again, a very high-end feel, um, but if you bang it on the lawnmower, you you, know, you bang it on the golf course, um, it's not going to be the end of the day. You're not going to you know ruin your investment. So um, we've got a long way to go in, in a lot of things, but um, we're working on this. Yeah, well, that sounds. It sounds like you are, you and Alexis are mm-hmm. very much in alignment with Handley's mission, vision, and values mm-hmm. in how you your business operates. Mm-hmm. I'm also curious, I, I generally, and this is a, th- a curveball, so mm-hmm. you can say no, uh, I don't want to answer this, because um, I did not prepare you for this, but I try to encourage my clients to know what their end game is, right? So when you and Alexis talk about it, and, and you have the vision, and you know what the mission is, you have your values, what would be the ideal outcome? Yeah, it is curveball. It's funny. We, we actually talked, discussed this this morning be, before I came here. Um, there's a handful of different options, and you um, obviously those are probably well known to, to the audience here. I think um, revving up, and, and um, if it is a round of funding or, or some sort of financial support, there's a lot of different vehicles out, out there for that now, from, from crowdfunding to, to safe agreements and, and whatever else. But um, that's one that is that is uh, would take you in kind of the inflection point into mm-hmm. one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly partnerships that we've seen form, not necessarily acquisitions, but partnerships from um, product companies and direct-to-consumer companies, uh, where larger companies want that aspect or that's a piece of their offering that they don't have. Um, that seems to have been uh, that goes back to aligning whether it's the founders or, or just overall vision and values, um, those align and, and everything is harmonious. That could be a really good partnership and, and um, dual uh, scaling of companies. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's, I guess, classic kind of exit and in, in to a, a larger company, but that's, that's years from now. So right now we want to continue to grow just our, um, our customer base, um, continue to improve our quality, continue to kind of go upstream and, and scale as much as we can where we are until we have to get to that point of, um, it's kind of the dog catches the fire truck of, uh-oh, you know, we've got <laughs> X amount of orders and you know we really have to, to do something different here in a good way. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today. I just feel like this was such a value-added conversation for any business owner, regardless of where they are in their business. I want to encourage everyone to consider unplugging from your emails, texts, and keep in the here and now with a Handley watch. So folks, next week, I invite you to tune in 
Join the IBGR community for catalytic conversations on Friday at 2 as we explore scenario planning. And the people who want the ultimate owner experience, we want to tune in to each episode as you, the ex executive, continue to lead yourself, others, ideas, and results to maximize returns and minimize regrets. Next up, you'll hear from James Bryant of Better You for You and Entrepreneur's Journey in Planning for 2021. Take care, everybody. <laughs>